Resolving Sri Lanka's economic crisis and political turmoil is now the responsibility of the country's new president. You might have heard this week sworn in veteran politician Ranil Wickramasinghe, who immediately distanced himself from his unpopular predecessors. Now, of course, we've heard about the daily long lines for fuel, the high costs and shortages of essential goods and serious medical shortages, which have clearly pushed people to the brink. In response, Australia's significant Sri Lankan community is stepping up to help people in their homeland with essential aid. What is happening on that front and what might be a path forward for Sri Lanka from the point of view of the diaspora? Kalinga Senavit Viratne, gosh, I'm really not bad usually on Sri Lankan names, but I'm not this morning, forgive me. He's a Sri Lankan-born journalist who writes for papers such as the South China Morning Post, and he's currently based in Sydney. Hello, Kalinga. And uh, Dr. Erosha Premanaratne is president of the Australia-Sri Lanka medical aid team known as OSLMAT, and she's based in Victoria. Hello, Erosha. Hello, good morning. Thank you both very much for being with us. Could you tell us, please, about what the medical aid team has been doing to help people struggling in Sri Lanka, Erosha? Sure. So uh, the Australia Sri Lanka Medical Aid Team, um, who I represent, uh, we have been uh, acting upon the request of many doctors, hospitals in Sri Lanka. Uh, so this, you know, crisis, the economic crisis, the, the impact of that on the hospital system became apparent around uh, April this year. And we have had multiple requests for, you know, very critical life-saving medications, surgical supplies. So we've... Um, initiated a project, uh, an appeal called Hila Nation, and, um, and have been um, uh, using the funds raised to procure these uh, essential items. And, um, you know, the issue here is that the, the Sri Lankan government is unable to um, procure medication because of the, the dollar's shortage. So mm. what we've been uh, doing is um, buying directly from the regular suppliers um, overseas suppliers and uh, and sending them across to Sri Lanka. And you have a very trusted network, do you, of practitioners uh, uh, that, that you can rely on to get help into where it's needed? Yes. So, so what, whatever we send, we, it, it has to go through the central, you know, the Ministry of Health for clearance, and then we will direct it to the hospitals that we would like um, the, the items to go to and we get confirmation from the hospitals that they've received uh, what we sent. Um, it's also supervised by the various colleges, you know, the surgical colleges, the uh, physicians' colleges, uh, paediatrics, etc. So we're working with a, a group of local uh, medical associations there to, to actually get, a, you know, uh, get ourselves updated as to what's required and then to make sure that uh, the hospitals are uh, uh, have access to these, whatever we say. I must say, I, I, I was given in notes that the, the examples of what you're supplying uh, are breathing tubes, nitrous oxide cylinders, blood bags, medications for diabetes, antibiotics, surgical equipment. So, you know, this is really uh, quite a, a list of, um, of goods that you're sending. Mm. 
Yes, so th- this is only just a very small uh, amount of what they actually need. Um, but we, we're trying to do what we can, uh, depending on the funds we raise. But the, the requirements are so much greater. Yeah, and, and there's no discrimination. Can I just double check this in helping communities, regardless of whether the hospitals are in Sinhalese, Tamil or Muslim communities? Yes. So, for example, I mean, the blood bags we bought and handed over to the blood bank, which is used island-wide, um, or the paediatric uh, and the intensive care uh, the, for the, the newborn babies and the nitric oxide cylinders will go to all the um, um, newborn intensive care units all across the country, depending, uh, you know, the, where the shortages are. So whether it's Jaffna or Batiklo or uh, the, the, the Sinhalese uh, mainly occupied um, regions. Mm. So whatever the need is, you know, um, the, the items will go to those hospitals. And you've been busily fundraising here among the very active diaspora, have you? We have, we have. I mean, we all feel, you know, we feel like, you know, it's our duty to do something at this time. Um, and uh, and the, the Sri Lankans living here have been very, very supportive. So we've had a fundraising event um, last weekend, but the appeal will go on and anyone who's um, willing to welcome is very happy to do so. Uh, because as I mentioned, there's so much requests, so many needs. Um and um, yeah, actually, so I should just ask you that question. Come. How do you hear about it? Do they come? They've come to know that you exist, do they? And they come straight to you. Oh, Oslomat has been, um, uh, you know, working with uh, mainly the rural hospitals for the last fifteen years. So we have links with I most see. of the hospitals, and and of course they get in touch with us when when they need help. I understand you're putting together a medical mission of doctors and specialists who pretty soon, within the next couple of weeks, will head over mm-hmm. from Australia to Sri Lanka. Yes, so we have been, in fact, since the tsunami in 2004, we have done 28 missions and we um, go around to mostly the rural hospitals and do a lot of teaching, training and, and supplying medical um, items. So unfortunately, the last two years we couldn't make it because of COVID. So this year, it, you know, um, there's a, a quite a uh, number of uh, specialists and medical other uh, non-medical people who are very keen to go. So I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to actually go and and um, and meet the the health staff of these hospitals that we've been helping for the last few years. Mm. See what the the ground you know what it is the real situation and how we can. Um, continue to help in the next next few months. Um, Kalinga Saravanatre is a, is a, a Sri Lankan-born journalist who who writes a lot and constantly follows things back back home. And I know you're frustrated, Kalinga, by the politics of the place. I, I wonder, does that frustration hinder uh, the diaspora's? inclination to become involved here? I mean, obviously they left that, I take it, to come here to Australia, partly for a desire for stability. Does it, does it you know, is it incredibly frustrating to read it all? Uh, I suppose so, because uh, I've been in and out of Australia, Australia last few years, uh, uh, not uh, that involved with the diaspora here. But 
uh, I have been uh, following Sri Lanka very closely. And what's happening right now is full of ironies. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, Vikramasinghe has become president when he lost his own seat and his party, UNP, mm-hmm. uh, lost all the seats uh, in parliament. And the irony here is uh, that the Rajapaksa alliance uh, carried out a strong campaign against uh, Vikramasinghe in the uh, elections in 2020, uh, say, um, uh, painting him as a threat to national security alleging that he was secretly negotiating uh, a deal with uh, uh, America uh, to uh, uh, station troops in the country so far. It's called the SOFA. And also with MCC, Millennium uh, Centennial Corporation, uh, mm-hmm. for 500 million grant, uh, which will uh, uh, establish a land uh, registry which could uh, uh, threaten the uh, farmers land ownership of rice farmers. So after campaigning against him and mm. uh, even getting, uh, uh, after getting him completely out of the system, now it's the same Rajapaksas who appointed him as the uh, uh, acting president. And now he has become the president on the votes of the Rajapaksa alliance, mainly the, in the parliament. A uh, lot of his votes came from the Rajapaksa alliance uh, uh, in parliament. So it's full of irony. And it's very frustrating, I suppose, for a lot of people. Uh, well, it's just that, you know, in ringing around, it has been quite interesting as, as some people sort of almost shrugging and uh, a, a sort of fatalism, I suppose, about, I mean, things are at, at, in a parlous state more than I think was expected. But um, I just wonder whether it robs people of, of uh, that sense of that it's, it's worth contributing to. I mean, can you see some breakthroughs coming um, from the protesters? The, we see all the protesters. They don't seem to have a way to re- be represented in the parliamentary system. And, and in, in its own way, we saw our teals come yeah. through uh, and organise themselves and come through to have a representation in our parliamentary system. This seems to be a real gap. Yeah, actually, um, I wrote a commentary piece for South China Morning Post after the election results here about the teals. And I sent a copy of it to a, a well-known Sri Lankan journalist who does mm-hmm. talk show and uh, suggesting he should uh, discuss this issue that could be a template for Sri Lanka uh, to have uh, independence coming into parliament because a lot of people feel that the parliament is corrupt and it was shown very clearly this week. Uh, And uh, yeah, uh, also when you look at the protest movement, uh, uh, I would say there's two categories to it. One is what I call the dollar chasing democracy vendors. (laughs) They are the ones who uh, get funds, overseas funds, mainly from the West. Uh, and uh, they have been active for some time, uh, running agenda for the West, like what happened with the um, Arab Spring or the oh, 2014 right. Ukrainian or the Hong Kong uh, uh, protest in recent years. And they were successful in bringing the Rajapa, uh, the Vikram Singhas to Sirisena in 2015. There was a regime change, yes, uh, which was um, uh, mainly due to these NGOs. Uh, the foreign-funded NGOs carrying a, a campaign uh, painting the Rajapaksas as corrupt and it influenced the youth vote, which was for the first time a very large chunk. And so in this protest also, there's this component of it. Then uh, now, they were once Rajapaksas uh, resigned and uh, the protest movement was asking for Vikram Singh to resign. This this component of the protesters uh, quietly moved away. Then there's the other component which could be uh, compared to the teal. Mm. Mm. They are the real genuine 
uh, grassroots people, well, a lot of them young people who are fed up with uh, corruption in parliament. They see... Uh, they feel it could be de- better. Yeah, democracies, uh, politicians come to parliament to serve themselves, not the country, not to do a public mm-hmm. service. Uh, but the thing I saw was they didn't have a, a proper agenda how to implement it. Once you get rid of the Rajapaksas who they mm. feel are corrupt, who's going to come over and uh, do it? And this is the problem we are facing right now <laughs> with Vikram Singh coming in because they didn't have a... So it's old politics, yeah. uh, you're saying, and yeah. there need to be some new politics. Though yeah. at the moment, you just they just need some money, don't they? And that at least Wick Ramasinghe might be able to, if he can form a government, he can then start negotiating with people to get money. So I suppose in the sequence of events, <laughs> you've yeah. got to deal with the... Ex- well, unless you want full revolution. Yeah, this is what uh, Wick Ramasinghe is, uh, uh, comes from the English-speaking elite and he has a problem communicating with the grassroots, but he can communicate with with the West and that's the argument they put up. He can mm-hmm. communicate with uh, the IMF. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I feel uh, there is another element to uh, what could be done for Sri Lanka. This is where I feel the BRICS bank could come in. The, the, the um, BRICS, uh, Br- Brazil, Russia, India. Uh, and, and the amount of money they are talking about, uh, say, uh, five to six million, they can easily come up with that money. Mm-hmm. And already the Chinese... Uh, the uh, Sri Lankan embassy in China this week said that Chinese are willing to put up about five million, mm. and Indians have also talked about it. And Russia is talking. Russian embassy said that Sri Lanka could be a transit point for Russian goods to go to Asia. So, if you put all that together, and it, if the BRICS bank come in, uh, they could be an alternative to uh, to the IMF, and this could be a new world economic order people are talking about outside the West. Uh. Let me go back to Erosha here, because I, mean, I know your work focuses on medical and humanitarian aid, Erosha, and OSELMAD is not a political organisation, but given the efforts you've put into training and assistance on these missions, I wonder how you do feel about the current crisis. Do you, do you imagine that uh, the president, the new president, can calm things down and sort out the immediate economic crisis? I mean, how much do you devote to thinking about this? Ilya, look, um, I, uh, I haven't kept myself up to with Shankar Boris for, for a long time until this crisis happened. So I, I feel like whatever, who comes into power, because whoever, the, the current uh, the, the, um, parliament will have to run the country until the next election. So whether it's Ranul Vikramasinghe or somebody else, you know, it's just still going to be from the same uh, parliament and uh, so I think things are going to be quite volatile until the next election. Um, so, however, I feel personally, I feel like you know, people just have to just. I mean, this economic crisis is a is the main issue, and that's mm. why people start pr- protesting in the first place when they don't have food, fuel you know, medical items. So so it's really essential that the country comes out of this economic crisis before they can go to a next election. Or um, So I think that's something that, that all Sri Lankans, they also need to understand that, you know, they need to get the tourism back. Um, the reason why, why Sri Lanka ran out of foreign reserve the last two years is basically the 
two of the main sources of income was from tourism. Yeah. And the, ex, uh, the the Sri Lankans who go and work overseas and send the money, so the foreign remittance. And both these avenues were completely came to halt during COVID. Um, tourism, went, you know, so it was a bit of came a perfect down to storm. zero. <laughs> yeah, so it was many things put together. So it's really, really sad to see. I mean, this year... You know, if if things were become a tourist will go, it's a lovely place to go. It's it's the most you know. I mean, obviously, I can't say I'm saying this because I come from Sri Lanka, but it is the, you know I feel like the loveliest place. A on, lot of Australians on, you know, would agree features. with you. Now, yes. I'm I'm going to so. stop you because I I'm just watching the time run out. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, thank you both. Good luck to you, um, Dr. Erosha Premaratne. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, Kalinga Senaviratne, thank you very much indeed. Just channel that rage. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.